Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your mother and father, then you will live a long, full life in the land where the Lord your God is giving you. And Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in is the, which teacher is the most important commandment in the laws of Moses? Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second equally important, love your neighbor as yourself." The entire law and all that the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Thank you, Rick. So you know we've been going through the Ten Commandments. And I want you to know before we even start today that I've broken every one of these commandments. Every one. And that's why I need Jesus. And that's why I need the cross, what we're celebrating here in just a minute with Holy Communion. When Jesus was asked by one of the Pharisees, the passage that Rick just read, actually the Bible says this guy was an expert in the law. This expert in the law was testing Jesus and said to Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And here's what Jesus said. In Matthew 22, verse 37, actually he quotes from what Moses already wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus summed up all the commands with these two, love God, love people, period. That's it. Let's keep it simple, right? I mean, if you love God, you won't have any other gods before him. If you love God, you won't make any idols. If you love God, you won't take his sacred name in vain. If you love God, you'll remember the Sabbath day, which is really about resting in Jesus, intimacy with Jesus, because Jesus is my Sabbath. So the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God, loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And the next six commandments deal with our relationship with others, loving your neighbor as yourself. And the first neighbors that we meet on this earth are our parents. Actually, the fifth commandment is a link between our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And we cannot really be right with others until we are right with God. But in our relationship with others, it's so important that we start with father and mother. I think it's interesting that God begins this section on loving your neighbor with this command, honor your father and mother. I think it's a pivotal command. Parents are the first people that we meet. Now, if we can't learn to love and respect our parents, then it's obvious we can't learn to love and respect anybody else. What God is saying is this, that if your faith doesn't make a difference at home, It really doesn't make a difference. Because what happens at home, I think, is the basis of everything else. Listen, if the home decays, then the church decays. You've heard this before. If the church decays, then the community decays. And if the state decays, then the nation decays. You see, the home is God's government. And if I were the devil, 
If I wanted to destroy a nation, I'd begin with the family. And I don't know about you, but I think the devil's doing a bang-up job on the family. You see, God tells us the basis of all our relationships to everybody else and everything else on the planet Earth, after we get right with God, is in the home where we learn to honor father and mother. It's not just something sentimental we do on Mother's Day or Father's Day. It's commanded. We honor father and mother year-round, and so today... We're going to look at this fifth commandment, this pivotal commandment, this transitional commandment to honor father and mother. I think the crux of this command rests in our understanding of that word honor. You know, what does it mean to honor someone? At marriage ceremonies, the words to love and to honor and to cherish are repeated. What does honor mean? To honor is to recognize the value of someone or something and to act accordingly. The word honor comes from the Hebrew verb that means to be heavy or to be weighty. It means that we are to give great weight, significance, great importance to our parents. It means we respect them. It means we are to hold them in high esteem and treat them as people who have amazing and profound value. It means that we acknowledge their position of honor in our life. Listen carefully to their instructions and be faithful to guard their reputations. Actually, the New Testament tells us to treat everyone with honor (laughs) and respect. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another. Above yourselves, I pray that here at Calvary, there's like a culture, certainly we want a culture of evangelism, but we want a culture of honor, of honor. It would be realized here, giving great weight and great importance to others, to respect, to hold others in high esteem, to treat others as people who have profound value. Some people have uh, tried to discredit the Ten Commandments, claiming their importance ended, you know, that ended when Jesus came. A few weeks ago, I said, the law cannot save. The law cannot justify. But it does point us to Christ. The law shows us how badly we need a Savior. And for us believers, because of the Holy Spirit living in us, We will want to obey the Ten Commandments. They still reflect the perfect character of God. They are all repeated in the New Testament, except the Sabbath day, because Jesus is my Sabbath. The Ten Commandments still protect us and provide for us, even though they cannot save us. If they could, I mean, why in the world was Jesus hanging on the cross? You see, Matthew 5, 17 says, Jesus came not to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. And with this fifth commandment, we find repeatedly in the New Testament consistent admonitions to honor our parents. The Apostle Paul restated this commandment for us in Ephesians 6, uh, 1 to 3, and also in Colossians, you know, to obey parents in the Lord. And then he goes on, to give four very, I think, concrete reasons why children must honor and obey their parents. So very, very quickly, reason number one, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just right. Reason number two, so that it might go well with you. 
You know, Ephesians 6, verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it might go well, that it would go well with you. And then reason number three, that you might live long. Ephesians 6, verse 3, that it might go well with you and that you might enjoy a long life on earth. And then reason number four, it's pleasing to God. And that's from Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this, it pleases It pleases the Lord. So why is this subject important today? I think maybe because of the plethora of problems that we see in our society that might be addressed, even eliminated, if we understood and took seriously this commandment to honor your father and your mother. For example, problem number one, wayward children. Think about that. Leviticus 19, verse 3, it says, each of you must respect. Some versions say each of you must fear his father and mother. Each of you must fear. It's the same word used when scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It doesn't mean that we're to quake in their presence, but we we give them respect. We give them reverence. Yeah, sometimes we quake. Leviticus 29, it says if anyone curses his father and mother, he must be put to death. Wow, thank God that's not the New Testament. Yet it, it reveals a seriousness, I think, of being a wayward child. But in fact, in the New Testament, God lists disobedience to parents right alongside homosexuality and murderers and backbiters and fornicators. It's a serious thing. Like we just read in the Old Testament, if you disobeyed parents, you could be put to death. I mean, the sociologists are just now beginning to admit the devastating consequences of, of, of it's, you know, I, if you're a single parent, this is not a put down at all. I honor you. I respect you. It is a, diff, diff, it's hard enough to having two parents. I can't imagine, you know, a single parent. God bless you. God bless you. But there are consequences of this, uh, of single parents. Even more frightening is the statistic that I recently read announcing that very soon, if the Lord tarries, over 85% of all black children that are born in America will never know their father. And it's not just a black or Native American or, my, or a minority problem. We have way too many white kids yearning for their mother and their father, just as absent, off chasing the almighty dollar. I'm told the average white father in America spends 37 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with his children. That's a little oxymoronic, isn't it? 37 seconds of meaningful conversation, 37 seconds. No wonder there are so many wayward kids, which leads us to problem number two that could be eliminated if we were serious about this fifth commandment. Teenage rebellion and disrespect of parents. I mean, one of my favorite pastors, he's gone to be with the Lord, but E.V. Hill, you know, when he would preach on the prodigal son, he'd say, you know what? You don't have to go all the way to the pig pen. You can turn around anytime, anytime. And yet our society actually pushes teenagers to be rebellious and to be disrespectful. Television sitcoms portray parents as dim-witted incompetence and the children as dispensers of common sense. It seems any and all parental restraints tend to be ridiculed and resisted as assaults 
on their individual freedom. Socially, it's expected that teens will not respect their parents. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way, young people at all. You don't have to go all the way to the pig pen. You can turn around anytime. And parents' teenage rebellion is not inevitable. It can be avoided or at least minimized by parents investing themselves into building a close relationship with their kids. One of the ways of avoiding rebellion and disrespect is to give our children like our parental blessing. It's to bless them, which means we put into practice a long list of L's, all those blanks in the bulletin, just put L there. Your kids need your positive strokes a lot more than your negative pokes. We need to look at them. We need to love them. We need to lift them up. We need to learn with them and from from them. We need to laugh with them. We need to listen to them, talk about their concerns, and then pray with them about their concerns in their presence. We need to lead them to Jesus Christ. And then add this to the list. Part of that blessing is to lovingly touch your children. Mark 9.36, the Bible says Jesus took a child in his arms. Mark 10.13 says that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. Luke 15.20 says the father of the prodigal son fell on the neck of his adult son and kissed him, threw his arms around him. So doing that must be okay. You say, Dave, we're not a hugging family. Well, it's, I think it's time you start. Listen, girls who are able to enjoy receiving lots of hugs from their father are much less likely to become promiscuous. As Pastor Chuck Swindoll says, and I quote, many a young woman opts for immoral sexual relations because she can scarcely remember a time when her father so much as touched her. Unaffectionate dads, without wishing to do so, can trigger a daughter's promiscuity. End of quote, Chuck Swindoll. Another problem that could be avoided or eliminated by taking seriously this fifth commandment is Christian kids disrespecting non-Christian parents. A young person might say, well, you know, what if my parents, you know, aren't right? You know, what if my parents tell me to do something wrong? The scripture says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obviously, you know, if your pastor tells you to do something contrary to the word of God, you ought not to do it. And if the president of the United States, you know, tells you to do something that's in direct violation of the word of God, you ought not to do it. If children are commanded by their parents to kill or to steal or to prostitute themselves, of course, they're not expected to do that. But that's not the main problem that children have today. There's always the fact that we must obey God rather than man. So one must interpret scripture with scripture. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. Back to the question, do kids have to honor and obey parents who are not godly parents? I believe that the answer is to be yes. I believe God wants young people to learn authority, and that authority is actually our protection. It's God's government, that authority from our parents. And God can and will and does use parents who are not Christians to teach us. I also believe God can and will and does use Christian kids to lead 
unbelieving parents to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, if you want to please God, you must choose to honor your parents by obeying what they say and by honestly confessing truth to them when you don't obey them. Another problem I think that could be eliminated or avoided if we take this commandment seriously is abortion. What a week we've had. Oh, man. If parents were doing a better job, I think, raising their kids and kids were doing a better job honoring and listening to their parents, fewer kids would be creating unwanted babies. May I gently remind you that there have been over 60 million abortions since 1963. I know you know all this. That is 3,600 abortions a day. That is one every 24 seconds. A kindergarten class is being killed every week right here in Fargo. Abortion is the number one killer in the United States of America. More than heart disease, more than cancer, more than all other diseases combined, one in three women have had an abortion by the age of 45. 50% of women have had repeat abortions. Seven out of 10 women claim to be Christians. At the time of their abortion, 51% of women having abortions under the age 25. 18% of women having abortions are minors. And 40% of minors don't tell their, their parents. It would help if parents would not encourage abortion. Yet they do it all the time. You know, shame and guilt and Christian parents are doing this, trying to Keep this secret. And it eats away at the emotional health of post-abortive women. And now we got New York, and now we got Virginia, and other states wanting to make abortion legal in the third trimester, maybe even making it legal after the child is born. What is happening? What is going on? You know, Pharaoh tried to kill all those babies in the Old Testament, and he raised up a deliverer. It was Moses. Remember Herod tried to kill all the babies? Remember that? And he raised up Jesus. We're killing all these babies. I think the second coming is very soon. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to fix it. We will not get away with this. We will not. Absolutely not. Another problem that could be avoided or eliminated If we took the fifth commandment seriously, adult boomers, that'd be me, (laughs) blaming all their problems, you know, on their parents. And if you're a baby boomer like me, perhaps you feel like you were cheated in the parent department. Maybe you you had a a mom that you were embarrassed of of, or a dad whom you could never satisfy by being good enough to win his approval. It's rather popular today to be the victim, to blame your environment, to blame your toilet training, or to blame your parents for anything that's wrong in our lives, is it not? Perhaps when you were small, you idolized your parents and assumed that they were perfect and that they were all wise. But then you grew up and you found that they have the same struggles and the same failures and the same shortcomings that everybody else does. You discover to your shock, they really aren't much smarter than you are. So now, as a spoiled person, you feel cheated, as though you were entitled to have all your childhood fantasies come true. Hey, boomers, I'm one of you, and I say to all of us, let's just grow up. 
You know, let's forgive our parents for their faults. I mean, they did the best they knew how, but even if they didn't, let's cut them a little slack. You know, God says we must honor our parents. Let's be kind to them. Let's be grateful to them for giving us the gift of life. Let's quit our adult whining about our dysfunctional past and start taking some responsibility before God to change what we need to change in our lives and just move on. I think it's time to repent. Another problem I think that could be eliminated or avoided if we would obey this commandment, and it's last but not least, but older adults abandoning their parents for selfish reasons. And the Bible even says that some people even pretend that they're not taking care of their parents for, quote, spiritual reasons. And they pull out the God card. And the Bible is crystal clear about not using our, quote, religion or our church going or our church giving as an excuse for not taking care of our parents. Listen to Matthew 15, beginning in verse 3. Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you have nullified the word of God for the sake of tradition. That is, I took what I was going to give you And I gave it to charity. It's a gift. Sorry, I gave it to somebody else. I did something nice with it. I did something religious with it. But listen to what Jesus said about that in verses 7 to 9 of Matthew chapter 15. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. God says, any man, any woman in this church worshiping God who doesn't care for his parents is a hypocrite. Jesus said, in vain do you worship me. You're wasting your time in this service. God is really unimpressed with your gifts, with your tithes. I mean, if we care not for our parents. No, I'm not against nursing homes. I mean, sometimes that is the best care. But listen to what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, verses 4 and 8. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Then verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is talking about children providing and caring for their aged parents. Obviously, there were no nursing homes or care centers in the Old or even in the New Testament. But in John chapter 19, Jesus gives us a great example. While he was dying on the cross, he looks to John, one of his disciples, and tells John, John, you take care of my mom. Remember, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to John, here is your mother. In the next verse, it says that John moved her, the mother of Jesus, into his home. Even on the cross, Jesus is giving us an example of honoring and caring for his mother. I know not all of us can 
house and care for an ever-aging population of parents who require care beyond our limits, but I feel sad that many parents are just put away. Just forgotten. We shouldn't let that happen. Two bumper stickers that I think capture this truth. Uh, One for parents, one for kids. The parents one says, you better do what I say because I brought you into this world and I can take you out. (laughs) The kids one says, well, you better be nice to me because one day I'm going to be choosing your nursing home. I think I'm just going to end. I want to invite Kathy Spriggs to come up right now. And, you know, every first Sunday of the month, we're trying to create a holy habit of having a little bit of a lengthy, lengthier prayer. And maybe somebody from the congregation, either me, uh, before we have communion. And uh, Kathy is going to be our lay leader, you know, finish out Roger Hoyt's uh, term. And uh, she's been a leader for a long time at Calvary in so many different ways and in our community. Uh, she just got an award for leadership for crying out loud. And uh, we're just blessed to have her. And she has been, one thing that she's done is she's uh, been the chairperson of the National Day of Prayer in our state for like 15 years, uh, organizing and encouraging people to come together and to pray for our nation. And the theme this year is love one another. And so I thought, you know, how appropriate. Uh, Before we have communion, I thought, I'm going to call Kathy Spriggs to come and just to pray as the chairman of the the National Day of Prayer and also as our lay leader uh, to pray for our nation. Go for it, Kathy. So would you bow with me? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, your presence, your mercy and grace. We trust in you and pray humbly for your guidance and direction for this great nation. Help us live in such a way that your name will be honored in all things and that we would seek you daily. Thank you for our forefathers who established this nation on Christian principles and the freedom to worship God. We pray for our president and members of Congress to find a way to work together, have a spirit of humility, respect for one another, a spirit of understanding, and a determination to cooperate for the common good of America. We pray for wisdom for federal, state, and local government to lead this nation on the right path in the days ahead. Father, in your word, you tell us that we are made in your image and likeness. There is value in every human life, regardless of race, gender, age, place of birth, or socioeconomic status. Every life has value and is precious. I pray that every elected official 
and those who champion and celebrate abortion would turn their hearts back to you and that America will choose life. We pray that you continue to place in our hearts a deep abiding love for one another, to care for our neighbors and those less fortunate, that we stand together as a nation united under God. Father, we pray for leaders in government and the military to love one another because it is a powerful force when unity is critical to victory. Father, we pray for those in media to love one another and be communicators of truth. We pray for the integrity of business leaders to be honest and know they win when they love one another. Father, we pray for administrators and teachers who will create a culture of love and respect for every student and for students to rise up together, loving one another, and making a difference in America's future. We pray for families to practice love and forgiveness. Father, we pray for pastors and churches to model and exemplify Jesus' words, love one another, to a world that needs the love of Christ desperately. Father, raise up, raise up a love one another movement across America. We give you all the honor and we give you all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I remind you, uh, if you're wanting prayer, I think somebody will be up here to pray for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the only name by which we must be saved. Now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Oh, <laughs>